Is J.D. McKissick's run done in Washington? Which breakout AFC South receiver is poised to finish the season strong for fantasy playoff teams? And is an NFC North tight end about to ascend back to a top-tier option in Week 12? Plus, the 14th place finisher in the 2020 FFPC main event regular season, Scott Hoyt, drops in to talk Chiefs running backs, Deontay Johnson, Week 12 starts, sits, and more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. You and the Quiet Hollers. Remember to check out the Quiet Hollers music at quiethollers.com. Greetings and salutations, all the Balkaholics and Ferelliacs listening on this holiday weekend. We certainly appreciate it. Welcome in to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by myffpc.com. I am, of course, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. And Farrell, welcome back to these airwaves. How was your Thanksgiving, man? Happy Thanksgiving to you, too, Balky. We're one game down on our beautiful Thursday Thanksgiving football, hoping we can get it squeezed in before the next week rolls around. Yeah, it's, I, I, I feel good about it. We got breaking news, um, obviously, and we're going to get into it with the Ravens and Steelers um, earlier today, um, but we're going to tell you what we would tell you, or we're going to tell you what we would be doing and, and how we are handling our own team with Steelers and Ravens here in Week 12, certainly with a lot on the line. Uh, That's not all uh, that we're going to be talking about tonight. Coming up, uh, we're going to tell you um, uh, how we think Taysom Hill is going to do in his second start, and Scott Hoyt is going to tell us how he has managed his team into 14th place in the FFPC main event, 14th place in the regular season as we move on to the league class. Well, we already have moved on to the league class in the FFPC, starting with uh, the Thanksgiving Turkey Day games yesterday. And this is not Scott's first go-around in trying to win a six-figure grand prize. He's already done it. He's going to tell us that story. He's going to tell us uh, how he's uh, tried to do it in 2020 as well. Uh, Shout-out to the chat room right now. I uh, want to welcome in everybody there. And if you do have any po- uh, questions for me or for Farrell or for Scott, post them in there now. Uh, if you want to connect with us on Twitter, we are at HSFFHour, uh, at Eric Balkman, at J. Farrell Elliott. You can also post on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash hour. And if you want to give us a call, 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. You can also email the show at the inbox at highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Uh, now is the time to get those questions to us. Uh, we're going to try to get to all of them, uh, as well as the tweets and the emails in our fantasy feedback segment coming up at the uh, last uh, segment of the show tonight. Thanks to our audio engineer, my best friend Bryce, and our producer and mutual friend Rob. 
Um, shout out to Chris Vincent, the FF juggernaut on Twitter, at FF juggernaut. He was the guest on this week's High State Slowdown. Now, because of the holiday uh, on uh, Thursday, you're normally used to getting a new uh, Rotoviz High Stakes Slowdown uh, Thursday morning. That didn't happen this week because of the holiday. We do expect to get that podcast up shortly, uh, so you'll have all day tomorrow and uh, Sunday morning to listen to before you're setting those lineups uh, on, uh, on, on your football guys' leagues, your KFFSC leagues, your FFPC leagues, as uh, the league playoffs are in full swing. And, Farrell, i got to tell you, I, I don't feel great about it, and I think it was Jim Cole who did it to me in one of the league playoffs um, that, that I'm in uh, this weekend. But he's up like a hundred and six to five on me right now, heading into Sunday. <laughs> that's hard and, and to look I, at, isn't it? That's really just that's really hard to look at. That's that's unfair. That's unbalanced. You know, we talked a few weeks ago about when you look at your games. Maybe you just shouldn't look. It's. Uh, I think I had Prater. I'm trying to think. I was going against in in two of my KFFSC playoffs. I was going against Deshaun Watson, so that hurt. Um, I think he had Brandon Cooks as well, but you're right. I mean, it's it's, it's unbalanced. It's it's. I'm not. You know, obviously, I'm concerned because that's 100 points he's already got in the bank. Um, but uh, that team is in the playoffs for the reason for a reason. So anybody who's down in their FFPC or Football Guys playoffs uh, and you're down big after the Thanksgiving Day games, uh, help is on the way. I want to thank uh, <laughs> Football Guys, Draft Sharks, Roto World, and Rob for tonight's fantasy flash. Let's get into it here, Farrell. Uh, according to WGR 550 in Buffalo, John Brown has been ruled out for this week's game against the Los Angeles Chargers. He did not practice at all this week, Farrell, which is concerning because um, they had a week 11 bye. <laughs> and, and this is a guy who has yeah. never been the, the, you know, a, a pinnacle of health. He's had knee issues. He's, he's had ankle in- issues. This is his third straight game that he's going to miss. Um, you're going to start Stephon Diggs, who was the leading um, receiving yardage um, uh, player in the league. Uh, before the bye week. I don't know if he still is. I don't believe he is, but he's got to be one or two. So obviously you're going to start mm-hmm. him. But my, my question to you is, Gabriel Davis, uh, the rookie, uh, 69 yards on 11 targets in the two games John Brown missed earlier this season. Does he make for an interesting flex play against the Chargers, or is that getting too cute in the league playoffs? No, I think he's more than interesting. You know, with the preseason, I think Gabriel Davis would have been – on the field more and splitting more time with John Brown. You know, John Brown's been a good player for a long time. He's 30 years old. He's five foot eleven. Uh, Davis is three inches taller. Davis is probably 35 pounds uh, heavier, and and he's a very very strong player. At the combine, he was one of those receivers that went into the mid double digits in, in pressing the 225. So I'm surprised Davis hasn't supplanted. Uh, playing time from old Smoke Brown anyway. You know, 30 years old is John Brown, and he's with his third team, and now he's missing games. He's always played through these injuries, Balky, but that body won't let him do so now. I hope John Brown hangs around a little bit longer. I've often thought that his play speed is faster than his time speed, and I like guys like that. I think they're fun to watch. But he's on the downside of his career now for this weekend. Uh, Gabriel Davis will have to fill a nice role in a game that will feature, you know, Buffalo will have to feature ways to move the ball against this team. Uh, No one has had much trouble keeping up with the Chargers. Uh, Gabriel Davis would be that kind of guy that you get in your roster. Central Florida Knight, not even 22 years old. He's going to be around for a long time, a fourth-round pick this year. Uh, He'll hit the draft boards in the uh, mid-double digits. 
next year, and people will still be getting the bargain there. Yeah, and, and he's going to have Diggs playing opposite, so obviously uh, not all the attention will be focused on him in 2021. And he's got a pretty good quarterback in Josh Allen, too. So the, yep. the arrow is definitely pointing up for the Bills passing game as well as Gabriel Davis, for sure. Um, let's talk about an arrow pointing down. It's for J.D. McKissick. Uh, only two targets in the Thanksgiving Day game against Dallas. He caught both of them for 21 yards. He only had one carry, and obviously Antonio Gibson blew up with the, with the three touchdowns. Um, 27 touches, seven targets for Gibson uh, yesterday. So it looks like he's stepping into a role of more of a three-down guy, taking away uh, the, the McKissick touches. Farrell, obviously you don't want to cut J.D. McKissick uh, in, in, in yet, or maybe you do, but, but certainly he's, he's not a guy you can start with any kind of confidence now going forward, even though it felt really good to play him these last few weeks. No, now, boss, uh, Paulkey, that's an uninitiated uh, view there. I'm, I'm a little bit surprised with you at coming with that. We should have, you know, everybody should have seen Antonio Gibson's big day coming. Dallas Cowboys, 32-second uh, rushing defense, worse than the league. Uh, so you, ex- you expect them to be able to move the ball, create down and distance opportunities that kept McKissick's utility off the field. And when he was on the field, he was there for the check down pass. But guess what? Dallas's uh, passing defense for yardage is rated 11th. That's a fake number, Balky. The reason it's so high is because people were always running all over him, just like Gibson did. You know, uh, downfield passing game was able to open up for Alex Smith this week. He and McLaurin did very well. Logan Thomas, one of your favorites, got involved with the game. McKissick has the check down pass. He did not, you know, that option wasn't there. And he was on the field a great deal. And he was there open, waiting for the pass, but you don't check down when you have someone open down the field. That's what Alex Smith does. Now, in future weeks, if the schedule works its way out right, next up for uh, next up for Washington is Pittsburgh. They have the seventh rushing defense. It's going to be a different game. Uh, Redskin offense is going to have to play much, much quicker. Uh, there's going to be a significant pass rush. Uh, our old friend J.D., old Joshua Doby, he comes double-digit numbers, maybe mid-double digits, and pays value for fantasy owners. You know, if you're starting J.D., you've got some problems somewhere anyway, and those problems probably haven't gone away for you. So chances are you're going to be dependent on him as your last flex player or as what is really a, a number three flex running back being your number two running back because you've got injury and bye week concerns. So don't give up on McKissick yet, and don't be scared to play him against the Steelers. Keep the faith. I like it. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm now um, slowly coming over to the other side. I don't think I have McKissick in a whole lot of spots, but I'm going to rethink my, my, um, my line of thinking in the spots I do. Uh, to see if I can get him back out there. Kern Reeve in the chat room, by the way, is doing excellent in the Football Guys Players Championship this year. Um, he wants to know, is Antonio Gibson potentially a playoff winner this year? And I think when, we, when you look at what he did against Dallas um, and, and knowing that if he could go on that kind of run in weeks 14 through 16, he's absolutely a playoff winner. Um, and, Farrell, I, I feel like the, the people that invested in Gibson um, maybe – you know, invested in him fairly high and it might've hurt their overall team because they didn't get the bargain on him. So certainly mm-hmm. Gibson is a guy to watch in the championship round. He's coming together now and he's going to do very well. The, the schedule is not, is, is somewhat favorable. I think it's the Niners, Seahawks and Panthers are mixed in there. He has a, 
his platform for success. He's got, I'm just looking at it right now, um, at San Francisco, at home against Seattle, and then home against Carolina. So that could work out. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, something yeah. to pay attention to uh, for sure with Antonio Gibson. And, and God bless you if you got him on on your team. Um, let's see. Uh, okay, so let's get into the Steelers-Ravens thing uh, here. Now, Adam Schefter has reported that the Ravens uh, team facility is going to be closed until Monday at the earliest. This is after we found out today that the Ravens and Steelers have moved to a and uh, was it a 7 p.m. Eastern start on Tuesday night? Um, those stats in the FFPC will count for week 12 as long as the game is being played on Tuesday. If it's played any day after Tuesday, they will not count for week 12. Um, Farrell, I, I, I went over my rosters today, and, and I know I have, you know, obviously the, the KFFSC waiver wire run coming up on Saturday to make any adjustments um, for, for the leagues mm-hmm. that waivers are still open in. Um, you have uh, in the FFPC, obviously, the Sunday morning waiver wire. So we'll have the attempt to kind of cover your bases here. But and this is something I think we talked about, Dave and I talked about when this happened um, in in week four or whatever it was um, with the Patriots and the Chiefs is like you kind of got to weigh um, risk versus reward here. Um, are, mm-hmm. are you going to gamble? Um, and instead of starting Chase Claypool, are you going to start somebody like uh, I'm trying to think of like a good example here, like um, Mike Williams. Mike Williams, Mike Williams from from the Chargers, perfect example. Um, now, if you believe that game is probably has a high probability of not being played, then yeah, you got to play Mike Williams. Um, if you think the game is going to be played in the, in the league playoffs, I mean, certainly you want the upside of Chase Claypool in there um, to try to get you into the next round. So there's really no hard and fast answer on what to do with these players as a whole for me it not only depends upon the players in that game Farrell, but it depends upon your options on the bench too because what's what's a go for chase claypool and deontay johnson and and um and 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 um gus edwards for some people might be a no for other people who have better options and i, I think that's how you got to weigh it yeah and, you know i could throw out mike williams because i'm already thinking about this situation i am always <laughs> deep at wide receiver it's already a it's always a I have a wealth of wide receiver. I don't have a wealth of running back. If I had James Conner, then that's going to be a big, big problem for me. I have Mark Andrews in the FFPC. Everyone knows that that's a player that you can't uh, that you can't replace in your lineup. You can only just uh, try to grab a few points where you can get them. And in that matchup, I'm already behind. So it, 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 for Baltimore, you must realize that uh, Lamar Jackson is not going to be the quarterback, even if they play it on Tuesday. Is that right, Balky? Am I right about that? Or could he clear uh, by Tuesday? Yeah, uh, Lamar Jackson, I don't believe can. Um, no, but can. I believe Dobbins and Ingram could. Uh, the way they, the way the research I've done, so you could see the running backs out there. I don't believe you can see Lamar Jackson out there. I just don't think there's enough time uh, on that. Uh, we are running out of time. We're going to get to Scott Hoyt, the 14th place player in the FFPC main event shortly. The last thing I want to bring up here is I want to shift it over to Seattle. Uh, Chris Carson was limited in practice today. Uh, now you can't take anything with what Pete Carroll says um, seriously because he is he, he's like. NFL head coaching on Prozac. He absolutely loves everything, loves everyone, and is very positive and optimistic, which I'm sure he's a great person to hang around. Um, I would love to hang around that type of person. I don't want to take my fantasy analysis from, from that type no. of person. Well, we'll find out what Chris Carson does tomorrow, Farrell, but it's a Monday night game. 
um, and, and maybe you don't have another Seattle or, or Philly running back or player that you can flex out if Carson misses. How confident do you feel that Carson's going to be out there on Monday night against Philly? Uh, everything's pointing that way. And, and if he plays, there's sufficient upside against the Eagles to make that worth the wait. If you have Carson and Hyde on your roster, you've got no problems because if Carson can't, Hyde can, and he can do it very, very well. Hopefully, uh, you you know you've got the old handcuff there. Uh, naturally, if you've got uh, if you've got a running back to play that you think can can get close to Carson's points, play him. You don't want that game time decision to spoil uh, an otherwise successful season that got you into the FFPC playoffs. Let's uh, bring in tonight's guest here, uh, and and I can't believe we've never had him on the show before because he is an OG. He, he dates back to the dawn of the FFPC. He's been playing fantasy football for more than 30 years, uh, high stakes level for more than two decades. He won a $150,000 grand prize in the old world championship of fantasy football back in 2008 and has positioned himself in 14th place overall in the main event, heading into the championship round here in, in week 14. He will stay there for the next couple of weeks. Please welcome into the HSFF Hour, Scott Hoyt. Scott, a belated happy Thanksgiving to you, man. Thanks for uh, carving out some time on this holiday weekend for us tonight. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. And uh, sorry I missed you guys in Vegas this year. I'm hoping that next year will be a different year for all of us and we'll be able to do it the right way. Well, we, you know what's so great is, is I've been counting down the days, how, how many days are left in 2020, seemingly for about six months now. And uh, I can't wait to turn the page to 2021. It's not only going to be great for, for fantasy football, but hopefully life in general, which I'm very excited about, uh, Scott. Um, before we do get into the fantasy football portion of uh, tonight's little chat, can you tell the listeners what you do or what you did for a living? First of all, I, I'm like you. I'm surprised that you haven't had me on before. I love your show. I love exactly. you guys. So um, all, all kidding aside, uh, about a year ago, I made the decision to retire, fully retire, from the corporate world uh, after spending about 30-plus years as a marketing executive. And since then, I have – and my wife would probably tell you this more than anybody – that I really didn't retire because now I've transitioned those full-time hours into spending all my time on fantasy football. So that's <laughs> kind of what my full-time job is now. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Scott, you looked resplendent standing there uh, in in the picture that Balky shared with all the listeners in your uh, Chicago Cubs jersey, and and it would, it would look like the coldest beer I've seen in a while. Uh, you're, you're obviously a real sportsman, a marketing guy. I'm glad to see somebody. We've been talking to we've been talking to a lot of guys that are really good with numbers. We've had a rocket scientist on. We had a well, we had a gentleman, uh, Bill Wanky, a couple years, uh, a couple weeks ago that, that I still haven't figured out what he was talking about. I got to go back and re-listen to the show, <laughs> you know. But it's it's a it's a situation with you that that I've always thought about. You know, you have some guys that they reach the summit and they're very very successful uh, in this hobby. And, and in 2008, that happens for you. You win a big national championship. You know, take us back a little bit with, with what that did for you, what that makes you feel about your place as a competitor. And, and did it, you know, how did you relate to the to the uh, high-stakes fantasy football differently after you became that champion? Yeah, that, that's, that's a great uh, a great segue here because 
it's funny, even though that was almost 12 years ago, I can remember vividly uh, that, that year. Um, I can tell you exactly uh, who my main core players were. And, and I can remember the night that I won it. I can remember, I, can, I replayed that in my head many a times. And just to give you a little bit of insight on that is my running backs were um, in no particular order. I, I had both D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart, both, par- you know, both Panthers. Mm-hmm. But I also had Brian Westbrook. And so anybody remembers Brian Westbrook, uh, you know, he was a PPR machine and uh, very, very reliable. At my whiteouts, and this is where probably uh, this started to change kind of my mentality and how I, how I thought about players, how I drafted players, and so on and so forth. But my whiteouts were Anquan Bolden. He was, a, you know, he was a pro bowler at that time. But the two guys that really helped me win you know, win the championship more than anybody were two rookies, Eddie Royal and Sean Jackson. Hmm. Both guys were rookies in 2008, and and I and my tight end was Jason Witten. So you know, I had and back then Witten was a stud, and and so I had a, I had a great team, and, and 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 the whole philosophy behind all that is, and we've said this numerous times, and everybody knows this, is that you don't have to have a stud quarterback to win a championship. And my quarterback throughout the year, Mr. Reliable, gave me 12 to 16 points every week, David Garrard. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, Scott, I remember that Eddie Royal, when, was that the, his rookie year? It was. He, he burst out and had a big Monday night game, the first game yep. of the season. Did you have him in the lineup then? Probably not. <laughs> gotcha. But it was a big, big game, and you had yeah, him in the lineup later. Yeah. And it's funny because that the I remember winning I remember winning the championship. It came down to a Monday night game, and I was mm. down thirteen I was down thirteen points, and and he had nobody else going. The top guy had nobody else going, and I had I had Sean Jackson and Brian Westbrook going on a Monday night. And I try to remember if it might have been against the Washington Football Team or the Redskins or whatever you want to call. It. I can't remember if it was or not. And I remember thinking. 13 points from those two guys ought to be easy, but I can tell you, I told everybody, don't call me, stay away, let me watch the TV. I had nobody with me when I was watching that game, and I said, uh, you know, hopefully I can get this over by the first half and I can celebrate, and I did. Uh, You know, I I think I scored like 15 points in the first half, and at that point it was over. So that that year and that particular win, uh, I remember like it was yesterday. I really do. Uh, Farrell, I could tell you why you remember that Eddie Royal Monday night game because it was uh, obviously Royal's debut. Nine catches for 146 yards and a touchdown. That was the most receiving yardage for any receiver in that first week of the 2008 NFL season. And who did he do it against? Farrell's beloved Raiders. And that's probably yeah. why it sticks in your mind, um, uh, that, that Royal debut. And it really was a Royal debut. Um, Scott, let's, let's uh, fast forward to this year. Um, and, and talk about this 14th place uh, main event team that you have. You recently added Michael Pittman uh, onto this squad, and I kind of want to get to know what you are expecting of him the rest of the way. Like you, I added him in a few leagues, and, and I feel like he's their number one option in Indy right now. I have no qualms uh, you know, flexing him out as, as my third wide receiver or fourth receiver in the leagues I own him in. Um, and, and as we flash forward even further to 2021, 
where do you think he gets drafted in main events next year, assuming he's fully healthy during drafting season? Yeah, let's let, let's take this year. Um, and actually, we uh, I picked him up on waivers. Uh, Pittman was dropped by somebody, and I don't recall, probably I want to say week three or week four because of his injury. It might have been later than that. I don't really recall. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Pac-12 guy, so I knew Pittman from, from USC days and always felt like that he could transfer those skills into the pro, given his size. I just liked him a lot. And I, so I kind of watched him and knew him a little bit um, in the Pac-12. And when he got hurt, I thought, you know, okay, if somebody, if somebody does drop him, and I know what his schedule looks like the second half of the season, but so we got to go pick him up, and I did. And, um, and, I, I'm, and I'm guessing that I picked him up probably two or three weeks before he was coming off of IR, and I did it strictly as a, you know, you know high-risk, you know, medium reward if indeed he gets back to playing the way I thought he was capable of playing. And sure enough, last three weeks, as we've all seen, um, he has performed extremely well. Uh, I, I have an issue this week as I'm trying to figure out whether I flex him out. And I also got Christian Kirk. My other two receivers are, are Keenan Allen and, and Stephon Diggs. So hmm. it's kind of hard. Uh, it's a, well, it's when, you a have, when you have a team with a wealth of talent like that, and, you know, it's a good team, and you look at the depth, is, is there a player that you really want to put in lineup every week? You see potential. He just never can. You just never can get him in. Bye weeks don't line up right. Uh, I, I gave Balky an example earlier tonight while we were speaking. Mike Williams. I haven't had Mike Williams on the field all year, despite the fact that he's had a a couple of very successful games. Uh, he's he's hit or miss. I can't necessarily figure out when to play him. Is there somebody like that 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 sort of? Uh, Drives you a little bit crazy because you can't get him out on the field. Yeah, Christian Kirk is probably my guy. Um, you know, it's, if if you take Keenan Allen and Diggs as my receiver mm-hmm. one and two, I also had Brandon Cooks. It's hard to take Cooks out of that lineup, given with what was going on, you know, in Houston with with Watson and 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 Kirk. There were times that I I played him, and sometimes I didn't. The times that I didn't, so some of the times he went off. And but he's been yeah. wildly inconsistent, as we know, and. Um, you know, a lot of it is predicated for me when I play Kirk is the matchups that Hopkins is going to get on the other side of the ball. And so, sure. for example, like this weekend is a great example of, okay, so how, you know Gilmore is going to sit on Hopkins, but New England's got two great corners there. So I'm not expecting a huge, huge output from Kirk. And you got you got Murray's injury, which you don't know if that's going to impact his, his ability to throw the long ball, which is where Kirk excels. So – yeah, Kirk is kind of my guy, and that's why I'm struggling with the whole Kirk and Pittman discussion that we just had. Um, I, you know, I'm, right now I'm flexing out Pittman and leaving Kirk yeah. on my bench. It does drive I, me a little crazy. I think Kirk you're leaning ball. in the right place. You know, Hopkins has those average weeks and the great week, and the average week yep. and the great week, and it's it's like clockwork. And and he's due uh, for a for a great week this weekend. So it's it's very yep. interesting. Yeah. yeah, one of the other things, too, to keep in mind is, is I know Kyler Murray's shoulder isn't at full strength, um, and I don't know if that plays into it when you consider the alternative is Philip Rivers' uh, shoulder has never seemed to be at full strength, and he is, <laughs> he's not a young man anymore. Uh, you know, so I don't – you know, what's the difference if Kyler Murray is, is young and, and still able to launch the ball down the field to Kurt 
uh, Philip Rivers is still shot putting it out to, for, for Pittman. I don't know. Maybe that makes a difference. Maybe it doesn't. We're talking with Scott Hoyt, the 14th place uh, team in the FFPC main event uh, regular season, former champion of the Wyckoff all the way back in 2008, looking for that second uh, six-figure grand prize. I want to go to the chat room with this next question, Scott. Um, Hudson Reeve wants to know, is either Tyler Boyd or T. Higgins startable in the playoffs, given that uh, Joe Burrow is gone and Brandon Allen is in? you like either of those guys going forward as long as Allen's the quarterback these next two weeks? Yeah, I, I think if I was to look at the two, which one I would lean towards is I'd probably lean towards Boyd because of his of where he plays and the role that he's played in the past. Higgins bothers me a little bit, concerns me a little bit. Now, keep in mind that Allen, you know, debuted a little bit last year, and he was, you know, he was serviceable, and so it didn't, uh, it didn't really necessarily kill him. But that offense in Cincinnati without Mixon is a different offense, obviously without Burrow makes it very challenging to play either one of those guys. But if I had to put one or the other in there, I'd probably be more reliable on Boyd than I would Higgins. In fact, Higgins is one of my bust players for this week. I don't like him at all. Uh, Giants defense is playing so much better. New quarterback. I don't like Higgins at all this week. Yeah, it's You are the you wide receiver because... whisperer there. Uh, <laughs> that's that's very it's – very, I'm going to ask you about another one, then. Because it's, yeah. uh, I noticed that he's on a number of your rosters, and and uh, I was very familiar with this player when he's coming out of college, and so naturally were the Pittsburgh Steelers, who enjoys their geographical relationship with the Mid American Conference when they added uh, Toledo Rocket Deontay Johnson. Now I looked at this guy, five foot nine inch wide receiver. I had no idea his core strength and and what he could do on the field, and he's. He's a smaller size than the receivers that we're celebrating around uh, the league. And, 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 you know, I'm trying to figure out a way to talk about Claypool in this question, and I'll eventually get there. But this player was selected <laughs> to the Pro Bowl last year. You know, what made you target this player for every team, other than what I just talked about, or, or many of your teams? And because he, he's sort of a counterplay, but he's – uh, yeah, just tell us what you were thinking about Johnson. Because I'll be honest, I couldn't figure the player out moving forward this year. I didn't know exactly what to do with it. Yeah, so I picked him up on waivers last year, towards the middle of the middle of the season, and it's just you know, without Ben in there, he was still a very serviceable wide receiver. He had obviously his return game was what got him into the Pro Bowl. Uh, he, you know, if anybody can develop wide receivers, it seems like the Steelers have the have yeah. the right ingredients for that. Um, and so I kind of watched him uh, kind of mature into that role, um, you know, without Ben. And I'm thinking, okay, uh, second-year receiver, and there was only two words in my mind that, that, that said, okay, Johnson's got to be a great play this year, and that's Ben Roethlisberger. If Roethlisberger's throwing the ball, Johnson's going to have a big role in that offense. And, and that's really what came down I think they had – been not been there for this year, I might have been a little bit more hesitant to draft Johnson um, on some of my teams. And I'd like Johnson as I think he was completely undervalued in a lot of drafts that I was a part of and surprised that he fell to me in, in spots that I never thought I could get him. And so, yeah, you know, I just don't like five foot nine inch wide receivers. And I looked at uh, the aforementioned Claypool, and I expected Schuster to have a better year, and you just begin to think, well, you know, was that just a rookie season that we'll see him fall off, the proverbial sophomore slump? I congratulate you for uh, 
for adding that player, and I know you're enjoying putting him in the in the lineups. Well, and um, I think the one thing that you have to be the one thing you have to be hesitant with him, and you just mentioned in his size, um, he's going to be a, you know he continues to to perform well if he stays healthy. He's had a, mm-hmm. you know he's had a little bit of a, a you know a little bit of a crutch on trying to stay healthy, and uh, so that that's going to be uh, something that I think that's going to stay with him for a while because of his size, because of his frame, and he, and, he, and he runs, and you've seen him run. He runs angry. He runs tough. And so yes. he takes some hits that I'm not sure that a 5'9 five, five, guy should be able to get up from. That's well, he's, a, he's a Toledo rocket. That's the way you have oh, yeah. to run when you come out of the MAC. That's, you know, you don't, you don't, have, you don't have stylish points uh, in that conference. Um, Scott, let, let me ask you this, and, and this is, I guess, going to be a hot-button issue for Clyde Edwards-Alaire owners as, as we come down the stretch, especially Clyde Edwards-Alaire owners that have some pretty good running back depth. Um, you have Le'Veon Bell on this team, and, and I'm wondering how you think this running back situation is evolving right now. Is it going to get close to like a 45-45 split, assuming Daryl Williams still gets some touches in there? Uh, between Bell and and Alaire, because when when you come down to that three week championship sprint, you got to get it right. And I guess my concern is an Edwards Alaire owner in a couple of leagues. Um, am I going to have to start thinking about benching him for a guy like we talked about earlier, Antonio Gibson, who looks like it's him and nobody else in that backfield for some weeks? Um, it, would you consider benching Edwards Alaire if you think the the split is getting closer to forty five forty five, or don't you believe that's happening? Yeah, I don't. It's funny because I, I drafted Bell as my RB three. I obviously, if you know my, I think you know my one roster. It's, I've got Delvin Cook and Aaron Jones, and so uh, I got Bell, where I thought would be a great RB three, playing for the Jets, mind you. So when he obviously got picked up by Kansas City, my first reaction was, hey, we now have three Bell Cow running backs. And it just never materialized. And I think there's probably a couple things that are, that are impacting that. Um, one is Hilaire is a day running back. And you can see that day in and day out every time you watch that guy run. He's getting more involved in the passing game, Hilaire is. And so uh, is Bell a, just a serviceable, serviceable piece? And sure, Andy Reid, that's where I'm starting to lean a little bit. Now, that being said, if the weather starts to get worse, uh, you know, in December, Bell's always been a good, what I call a good mutter, loves to run in bad weather. We haven't seen that with Hilaire. We don't know about Hilaire. So I think for me personally, I also have J.D. McKissick on that team, and I probably would play McKissick, although with Gibson getting all kinds of time, and I live in the D.C. area, so I'm very familiar with the conversations that go on about Gibson and, and, and McKissick. And I think, Farrell, you were talking about, or somebody was talking about McKissick earlier, that, you know, I'm a little bit concerned because I think that, that backfield is turning into a maybe an 80-20 split. And I think, again, I think McKissick is just, a, you know, an addendum to that running game because um, I think Gibson's getting a lot more play in, there in, in you know, from, you know, from you know, for a receiving perspective. But going back to Bell, I don't see that being a, a 50-50 or even a 45-45 split uh, in left. The weather starts to get bad, and Hilaire just uh, you know, just isn't performing because I like Hilaire a lot. I drafted him in other leagues as well, high, and um, I, I just haven't seen Bell perform the way I would have expected uh, when he came to Kansas City. 
Um, Yo, Balky, you go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, Farrell. Well, I, I know you have a question that sort of ties into mine. I, uh, I'm just thinking that you've given such good advice here tonight, Scott. And, and there, there's so much advice about how to how to draft a team. You know, it's everywhere. So much different than the way it was when when we started playing in this business, when the FFPC started, when uh, uh, back in 2008 when you were a champion. But, you know, the advice seems to dry up. You get, you get plenty of stardom and settlement advice, but it does not come from, from, from our area of the world. You know, I love those, I love those midweek or midseason uh, advice that you get from the analysts that tell you, you know, pick up a certain player that's available on free agency, and of course we drafted him in the twelfth round. So you know that player's yeah. not there. So, so what I'm asking as as we enter into week twelve here, what are some of the things you've learned, and what is some of the advice that you can continue to give us? I thought your Kirk versus Hopkins, and who's who's defending one versus the other. I thought that was very very good advice. How can how can people who obviously have had successful teams where they wouldn't be playing competitively right now. It, it was the best advice that you could give them. And what have you learned from back in your championship year, 2008, to something you've either carried from there or learned along the way? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. And, and uh, I, th- I think there's probably three things that, uh, that I've learned that I have used now for years and years. And, Sometimes I don't always follow my own advice, but I think for the most part I yeah. do. And number one, especially when you start getting into championship weeks, number one, play your studs. Don't overthink matchups. Like, for example, let's take Hopkins. Okay, you know, Gilmore, if Gilmore wasn't a bit injured, there are people mm-hmm. that would say, oh, my God, it's going to be a hor- they're going to New England. It's going to be a horrible matchup. I'm not, I might not play him. Well, you play your you play your studs. I learned a long time ago. You play your studs even in bad matchups. That's number one. Number two is I do think you have to pay attention, uh, especially not with your studs, but your other lineup decisions. You have to pay attention to really three things: matchups, which I think you know we you know we can talk all day long about who's got good matchups, who doesn't. But watch, pay attention to the matchups. Also, pay attention to game flow. You know that. Um, you know for a fact that Indy loves to run the ball. Is that going to be a mm-hmm. game with Tennessee that they can run the ball all day against Tennessee and, pay, and maybe make their receiving core less useful? Hence a Pittman, which I just talked about. Does Pittman only get three for 35 and Taylor and Hines go off running the ball all over Tennessee? Or does Tennessee control the clock because Indy's got – three or four guys in the front line now in their defense injured, not going to play. And Henry goes for 180 and, uh, you know, Rivers maybe has the ball, you know, 30% of the game. Um, so pay attention to your matchups and game flow. And then I think the other thing that people tend to forget about, especially as we start coming into December, is I do. I do look at weather. I do look at the weather. And, and I only look at weather if I think it's going to impact the outcome of some of my players. Um, quarterbacks specifically and, and probably wide receivers. And I look at the two things that I look at weather-wise are wind, and we've seen that already play out in Cleveland twice now. Uh, wind and heavy, heavy, either heavy rain or heavy snow. And you can see that in Foxborough. You can see that in Denver. You can see it in Philly. You can see it in Cleveland. 
So you got to be mindful of the weather. I'm not saying that it's the only factor you use, but it is a part of the formula when you start setting your lineups, especially at your flex spots. And these guys, you got three or four players, and you can only start two. That's why I start looking at those variables there. And and the other thing that I would mention is that there is so much information out there, uh, real time, 24/7 analysis paralysis. You could go to one expert and they're going to say sit so and so. You go to another yeah. expert. Oh, no, start that player. Um, I think you have to go on your own, um, you know, your own instincts a little bit, play the momentum game. You know players who've got good momentum going forward. Uh, Gibson's a great example of that. There's other Pittman's another example of that. Uh, play the momentum card if, if that's what you – if you believe strongly in that. And so those, those are the kind of things that I've learned over the years and the advice that I most of the time follow. There are times that I have deviated and – Sometimes it's helped me, and sometimes it's cost me. You know, bulky as you always say, when you think long, you think wrong. I think, think uh, long. <laughs> I think Scott summarized it for us there. Yeah, no, that's that's totally um, that, that totally appropriate there for sure. Um, I will say this too, as as long as we're sharing stories, because I think what I'm about to say uh, is line and step with um, with what Scott's saying. In 2008, to go back to the year when when Scott won the W Cup. Um, I co-owned a couple of teams in the NFFC primetime with um, uh, obviously our good buddy, Kurt Awe, and, and former co-host of the show, Dave Gerzak. And we were in prime position uh, to win the whole thing in week 16. And one of the things that we were stressing about was um, who do we start a quarterback? Now, we had been playing Kurt Warner essentially every single week since he came on and, and blew up with uh, Arizona. Um, but uh, there were, I can't remember where he was playing. It was somewhere in the Northeast and there was going to be like 35, 40 mile an hour gusts of wind. Whereas our other quarterback, Philip Rivers was playing in sunny San Diego, no weather issues there whatsoever. Um, and uh, I remember we, we searched all these content sites that were out there. Even 12 years ago, there's a ton of them. And um, there was one that said to start Rivers over Warner, and that was our good buddy and longtime FFPC player, Lou Tranquilly. His BFD Fantasy Football website was the only one that had Rivers ranked ahead of Warner. Everybody else had Warner above there. And um, uh, so, you know, Dave and I talked on the phone quite a bit that morning. We eventually decided to go against Warner, and we went with Rivers. We had a, you know, we had a comfortable lead in the contest where it's like, you know, let's just not screw this up. So we went with Rivers. I was over at my uh, girlfriend at the time, now wife. I was over at her house. And um, she had plans that day, so I was going to go back to my apartment and watch football. And so I left, you know, right before 1 p.m. Eastern, right before the, 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 the um, games were about to kick off. And um, on my way home, I was trying to listen to what was going on in these games, and I couldn't really. But I knew Dave was texting me, and I, I wasn't going to look at my phone in the car, but I, I, I could see that he had texted me. I couldn't see what he was saying. I get back to my uh, apartment. And Tony Gonzalez, who was our tight end at the time, had already caught in two touchdowns in the 20-minute drive it was from me to get from my, wow. from my girlfriend's to my apartment. And Warner was like one of seven with two picks. Or, it was something insane. And I'm like, oh, mm. this, this goes by. And, and, you know, Phillip Rivers had like a very Phillip Rivers-type performance. It was like 320 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. But Warner, I don't even know if he got 100 yards passing that day. He threw like two or three interceptions. He didn't throw any touchdowns. Um, and, and it was rivers, you know, so it, so the thing is, is that to keep in mind, weather is huge, especially in December Wind to me has always been more important than rain or snow or anything like that. 
um, and um, the paralysis by analysis. You know, it's like if we would have kept searching all those websites and delved into it more, we probably would have started Warner, but we didn't, and we made the decision ourselves. We started Rivers, and I think that's the biggest thing, Scott, when you're, when you're looking at all these different content sites out there. It's still your team. It, it's still your decision. You have to live with it. They don't, and that's why you always go with what you want to do. Yeah, and I think it changes a little bit when you get into these championship weeks, though, because at this point you're not talking about wins and losses. You're talking about points, and that is, that's a big variable, uh, and I think that's why you do have to look at all those other factors before you make your – and mostly in the flex roles. You know, most of these teams who are in, in the position they're in to be successful got a pretty good team, whether it's the running backs or the receivers. We've been very fortunate. I've got four studs at running back and wide receivers. I'm playing those guys. I don't care what, what the conditions are, unless, unless it's just an absolute blizzard. Um, but I think in the championship weeks, you do have a little bit of different um, thought process than you did during the regular season, where in the regular season, you might be able to take a risk or two based on a gut. But you're right. I mean, guys, it's, it's, the content that's out there, is, it's, while it's very useful, it can, you can get yourself into a, into a frenzy on uh, analysis paralysis. I think you said it earlier, and I've done that before, where I'm, I'm torn between two players. I start looking at all the different content. One says one way, one says the other. Uh, you know what? At that point, it's a flip of the coin and hope for the best. But um, I, love, I love all the content, but it, it can get you into a funk that, that kind of paralyzes your ability to make the right decisions sometimes. Farrell, we're running out of time. Do we have one last question we can we can uh, shake down Scott for info for? Oh, he's got to have it. It's what I live for, Balky. We've got to get it in under the clock. You know, Scott, we've had some of the best answers to this question. I don't have to take long to, to form it and give it to you. We need a bust and we need a sleeper. You say start all your studs, and I think you're right, but can you find someone who would approach a stud that would give you pause and maybe make you go against your own advice and then give us a sleeper. And I hope it's one of the guys I have buried on my roster because I sure could use a sleeper this weekend. Busting sleeper week 12, Scott, go. All right. Uh, the bust for me is Allen Robinson. Uh, all you got to do is go look at the stats with Trubisky in there. He's averaged a little around nine points with Trubisky, 16 with Foles. Don't like uh, don't like uh, that matchup. Don't like the quarterback. There's my there's my bust for the week. Um, I think a close second, by the way, would be I hate to do this, but a close second would be Josh Jacobs. Atlanta's run defense is for real. I don't think it's going to be a good Jacobs game. Uh, as far as a sleeper, I've got two. If you don't mind, I I, I love Wayne Gallman this week. I think Gallman's going to have a big game. I think uh, I think the Giants are going to control that game. I think Wayne Gallman's going to play. A role. I think he's a great flex play, uh, or it could be an RB2 if you just don't have a good RB2. And then the other super sleeper that I like, going back to the Atlanta game, I love Henry Ruggs. I think Atlanta just gets chewed up on in the air, and I think Aguilar might be the sexy pick. I don't know what it is, but there's something about Ruggs I like this week. It's just call it a gut instinct, but I think Ruggs has got a possibility this week to do something. Well, call it a gut instinct, but I think Scott Hoyt was, uh, he brought the real tonight. He brought the, the best uh, that we could have expected, and it was awesome to have you on, my friend. He was $150,000 richer in 2008. He's looking to be $500,000 richer in 2020. 
uh, with his 14th place team overall in the FFPC main event headed into the league playoffs. Scott, good luck this weekend. Good luck the following weekend. And obviously in the sprint uh, beginning in week 14, you never know what can happen. I hope the ball bounces your way then. Thank you for your support of the FFPC uh, over the last decade plus. We certainly appreciate that. And Farrell, I look uh, forward to to hanging out with you and tipping a few back in, in Las Vegas in 2021, dude. Yeah, I can't, right. guys, I can't wait for 2021 in Vegas. Can't wait to see you guys again. Balky, Farrell, thanks a lot, and uh, we'll talk soon. You got it, Scott. Appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you again real soon. That was Scott Hoyt, ladies and gentlemen. He of the 14th place team in the FFPC main event heading into the uh, the league playoffs this weekend, and, and obviously he'll stay there until week 14 in that championship sprint uh, begins. By the way, as long as we're on the subject of sleepers, and, and this, is not a, this is not a tease because I can't tease it because the, the episode is not out yet, but uh, Chris Vincent on the road of his high-stakes lowdown, um, he, uh, he talked about, because I always ask him that same question you always ask, Farrell, and, and he said he gave me an interesting rookie receiver this week that he really likes, and it was a guy that I'm going to end up playing in a couple of leagues based on Chris's analysis of it. So when that road of his... Uh, podcast drops uh, probably within the next few hours or, or early Saturday morning. Uh, make sure you give it a listen. And uh, I think uh, hopefully you'll be sold as, as I was on this rookie receiver. I'm not going to tell you who it is. You'll have to listen to it. But it is a good one, and hopefully he brings me uh, good luck and good favor um, in Week 12 as I try to get past Jim Cole and all the others uh, that I'm facing in the Kentucky semifinals this week. Let's go to the emails, uh, Farrell, here, and, and try to answer as many of these as we can before our time runs out on this holiday weekend. First one is from Mike in Florala, Alabama. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Happy mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, guys. If Chark and Conley don't play this week, should I skip Jacksonville receivers with Mike Glennon in there? I'm always very thankful for y'all's advice. Y'all, that's not something I, I get to it. say a whole lot on this show, but uh, he's thankful for y'all's advice. That is Mike in Florala, Alabama. Now, since he, this email has come in, we already know that Chark is out. We know Conley is out, but we know Chenault is probably going to be in Farrell. Um, does the fact that he is the only game in town at the wide receiver position for Jacksonville entice you enough to get him in your lineups? Or is the Mike Glennon factor, the Jacksonville factor, enough to say, you know what, I'm good on Jags receivers this week? You know, I, even with two guys injured, you still always watch Jacksonville and you see someone make a catch and you say, oh, who's the, oh that's not my guy, that's the other guy. It always seems like in this offense, <laughs> whoever you play, it's the other guy that's scoring. And, and you know, we, we have uh, – we have Keelan Cole on this team uh, from Kentucky Wesleyan. Balky, you don't know exactly where that is, but it's a small school in, in, in western Kentucky. And it's it's just amazing, uh, you know, the, the level of play from these guys, but it is so inconsistent. So I don't know is my answer to Mike, and I'm troubled uh, that that would be his starting decision at this point in the season. Chenault <laughs> comes with the resume. He's been injured uh, this year. He hasn't uh, he hasn't played. I don't think since week nine. His high point was a fourteen point nine earlier in the season. But look, this is a one and nine team that scored. Uh, they get beaten. They get beaten badly. Uh, they scored barely over two hundred points this year with their starting receivers now on the sideline and the fact that Cole, it, it, it seems to be always successful 
at making at doing the dirty work, making the third and seven catch, being successful around the goal line. Uh, but it, it's just not enough. I don't know is is my answer. And I, I would go look at that waiver wire and see what I could find. For instance, if Demir Bird was available, I would rather have Demir uh-huh. Bird play in front of these guys. Uh, there is an interesting player on Jacksonville's roster, and if he gets activated, I would be interested perhaps in playing him later in the year. Colin Johnson, a player out of Texas, uh, big six foot five inch wide receiver, like we like, runs a four six, not as physical as as uh, as the menace Claypool, but nevertheless uh, fits that uh, fits that look. Uh, don't get involved with this team. Watch them closely. Get ready for next year. I think we pass on this one. Glennon is the third quarterback of the season. I think everyone should look somewhere else. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm just looking. The total on this game is 49.5, and, and the Jags are seven-point dogs. So you would think, oh, that's passing. Um, that This is going to be Keelan Cole. This is going to be LaVisca Chenault. But you're right. I think Jacksonville, more than any other team in the NFL, or at least top three, has a way of letting you down. Hey, just real quick. I want to say one thing about talk- Jacksonville, though. Kim is going to say Go just ahead. one thing. Because I don't yeah. know if we'll get to talk about him again. Uh, maybe we will. But, you know, watch Jacksonville play in just amazement and appreciation of James Robinson. 442 yards in the last four games. Uh, three touchdowns uh, during that time for a team that cannot score the ball. And you know, this is when running backs uh, like Zeke Elliott can't hit 100 yards. I mean, it, this is this is just a very special season for an undrafted player. It, it just it, it makes it fun to uh, watch this team and see what he's doing. All right. I didn't want to turn this into a Jaguar segment, but I think it might turn into that because I got two questions for yeah. you now after you bring up the Robinson thing. The first thing I want to talk about is the Colin Johnson aspect, the, the player that you had brought up before. This was a guy, had he come out a year earlier, he was being bandied around by a bunch of pundits as a potential first-round pick out of Texas. He had the size. He had the speed. He had the numbers. He stays for another year. And I, I can't remember. You could probably tell me what round he was drafted in, but it was not uh, on day one at all. It made, and I'm sure it wasn't day two, quite frankly, either. Um, what happened to him? Um, and, and, sh- and should Dynasty owners still be paying attention to this guy as, as a potential guy that could hit, um, yet given the pedigree that was on him after his penultimate season in college, Farrell? What happened to him is he was a medical exclusion at the combine. The scouts will always say, "Well, get to the combine. It can't hurt you." Yeah, it hurt him. He couldn't. He couldn't compete, and a lot of other guys could. A lot of other guys were impressive, and so that pushed him back. I'm thinking fourth round, bulky, maybe fifth. I, I can't recall. Uh, yes, he should. He was value, and uh, you know, a team like team like Jacksonville, who already had some some receivers and, and, and spent capital at receivers, I don't know. It, it, you had to pull the trigger on a player with those measurables. The knock on him is he's not as tough as his size would indicate. What does toughness mean in a wide receiver? You push off the line. You push away from a from a linebacker. You Some of these guys that are interfering with you, you know, they don't call it all the time, Bucky, so you got to separate yourself from the guy. <laughs> he's got to get a little tougher. You know, he ran past everybody uh, when he was at Texas, and, and, you know, you're no longer playing Oklahoma State. So you got to – you you, you got to uh, play the pro game on the pro field. It'll catch up to him. He'll get it. Yeah, if he's on your dynasty roster, you made a smart decision. You're just going to have to be patient. 
he was indeed a fifth round pick uh, this past year for the Jacksonville Jaguars. The other Jags question I wanted to ask you, I picked up James Robinson in, in several of my dynasty leagues early and obviously been reaping the benefits of it. I love it. It's great. It's you're I've turned down. Well, I'm, I'm definitely not, I'm definitely not a damn genius. I don't even think I'm a genius. Yeah, I know I'm not a damn genius. I'm not at that level yeah, yet. Um, yes, I never will be. I'll put you there. I'll put you there. <laughs> well, you're thank, there. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Um, so, but James Johnson, I, and I've turned down a lot of deals for him. Uh, it, it, to me, after seeing what he did for a losing team with not a great line in front of him, with a lot of question marks at quarterback, if I was the GM of the Jaguars, I'd be like, look, we're pretty good with our starting running back here. Let's try to patch these holes on the other parts of the team first. And mm-hmm. I'd feel really good about James Robinson going forward from a dynasty perspective. But it is the Jaguars, and they don't always make sound decisions when it comes to free agency in the draft. James Robinson in 2021, you think he's their guy? Or do you think, knowing who you know in the NFL, do you think that they go elsewhere and add another complimentary guy, a guy who could make that backfield a split next year? You know, he's the guy. They may make it. Um, they may bring in more backfield talent because he can't continue to carry the rock like he has because they're going to ask him for more next year. The thing about those offensive linemen, the thing about filling those gaps, it's not easy. It, and it, it's so easier to see a skill position player, what he brings to the game, than it is to see what an offensive lineman brings to the game. And then you bring in veteran players who don't really gel with what the offensive line coach wants to do. It is the hardest thing to do in football. That's when somebody gets it right, like what the Rams have done. When someone gets it right, it's to be applauded, and you work like hell to keep it together. You know, and and that's – Jacksonville's a long way from that. And and James Robinson, you know, we talk about all these wide receivers being drafted – Every one of them we talked about being drafted. Uh, nobody drafted James Robinson. And I imagine there was a lot of free agents, uh, or a lot of teams that passed on him as a free agent. Uh, I can't imagine Jacksonville would, would have been his his first choice. But uh, no. it's a great story to watch. Yeah, it's certainly fun. Uh, no question uh, for James Robinson and for anybody uh, who uh, was lucky enough to get him in fantasy this year. I'm going to do my best to sneak in two more questions here tonight. I don't know if we'll get to both of them, but I I think they're important ones to answer. Jim in Bryan, Texas writes, I know he was big last week, but do you see Taysom Hill getting it done again against the Broncos? Or should I start Matt Ryan instead? Appreciate you. That is Jim in uh, Bryan, Texas. So Farrell, we saw what, what Taysom Hill did last week against the Falcons, obviously fantasy owners, we're really happy. He goes on the road as a six-point favorite against Denver this week with a total of 43. Seems kind of low. I mean, this has got to be one of the lowest totals for mm-hmm. a Saints game in some time. Um, but Taysom Hill, is he a top 10, top 8 quarterback for you this week, or is that pushing it? Well, you know, yes, and I'll tell you why. And, and as we go back to last week's show, Diana, the, the, the broadcaster from ESPN, she was right. Diana Rasheed had yeah. the scoop. No, Jameis Winston. She had the scoop. She had it perfect. Uh, you know, we didn't think necessarily that uh, she had it right, but she did. Now, what did we see from Taysom Hill? We saw a guy that looked downfield. You can always follow the eyes of a quarterback. He looked downfield to make all the passes. And, we, you know, we talked about him last week, about some of the reasons he was starting. We never got to what we would do to try to stop him. And I was torn. I said, well, you know, maybe – Maybe you blitz him, 
and get him nervous, get him off his spot. But no, that really doesn't work because, you know, then that means you're one-on-one defending and, and he can he can find the open guy. So maybe you make him go through the progressions. Maybe, uh, maybe you rush three and you make him pick a, a receiver. Well, Atlanta tried to do both, neither effectively. And he had a great opportunity to play against Atlanta. Scott earlier talked about their run defense. I don't think they're that stout, but they're not good in the secondary at all. And and Hill, it was Rodgers-esque. What he did rolling out and finding his downfield receivers when they did blitz him bulky, he hit the tight ends twice. He hit Troutman, I think, for a touchdown, uh, Troutwine for the touchdown. And he hit Cook down around the goal line. Quick release, good touch on the ball. I think he only gets better. Now, he's got a challenge this week, though. He goes on the road to compete against a team that doesn't do everything right, but they are a defensive-oriented football team. Um, I think he's got the skills, but I think, you know, this past week he helped beat him with his feet. You know, he was 10 for 51, and I think it was two touchdowns that he ran for. So he excelled both passing and running. I think he's going to excel again, but we're going to see him do it more with his feet out of necessity because I, I think they're going to rush him much, much more than the Falcons did. And, you know, he's got such great tools around him, but he involved everyone in the passing game. He hit everyone. I think he had seven uh, seven receivers catch the ball. I don't know what you think. I, I tell you what I did. I turned away from red zone for the first time in a long time, and, and every time that uh, New Orleans had the ball, uh, you know, I wanted to watch every play. You know, what's funny about that game is I think I was over at my my folks' house and um, couldn't watch Red Zone because they don't have Red Zone over there. And um, and by the way, if anybody, what are you getting your get folks Red... for Christmas? Well, exactly. You, but it's already you know been decided. What I'm saying time. there, bulky. Yeah. Christmas no, I'm all, I'm all over it. Okay. I'm all over it. All right. Um, Father's Day next so, year, you know, it'd be good. Exactly. <laughs> well, he'll have it. He'll have it one of those days, as long as it's there okay. before September. Right. Maybe I'll get it to him for, for Flag Day. That'll be his Flag Day. Flag Day, day is a good day. day. June 14th. Yeah. June, good day. That's right. Good day. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting about that, by the way, Taysom Hill, 18-23 and 23 for 233 yards, 10 rushes for 51 yards, and obviously those two touchdowns. 78.3% completion percentage. And I guess the thing that, that stood out to me, Farrell, because I was watching mostly that game, because that, that was the national mm-hmm. game that we got here in Wisconsin – to, to see the Saints and Falcons. And to me, what stood out was, was number one, as a Michael Thomas owner in, in a few leagues, I was thrilled to see him pump the ball to him um, as much as he did. Um, he made the throws that, that he needed to. I felt he started off yes. a little bit shaky. And, um, it, it, and, but once he settled in, I mean, then and it just seemed like he was getting, he was getting chunk yardage, you know, via the He, pass, he got via in the, the rhythm. He he got in the rhythm quickly. You know, your your heart's beating, the adrenaline's flowing. You're going to throw the ball, you know. You're going to be a little erratic until you complete one to settle down. But he it helped when he ran and somebody hit him. You know, that kind of got him in yeah. the rhythm. He got there, and he stayed, he stayed there uh, for the whole game, and he did make uh, he did make the progressions. He's got a tougher situation. Uh, I looked at the schedule. He's got uh, – after Denver, it's Miami. Uh, Las Vegas and Atlanta. Uh, he's going to do 
very, very well with that, I, w- I would expect. We don't expect uh, uh, Drew Brees back. That's my understanding. So he's going to do well with that. And so the, the other side of the question was, do we start him over Matt Ryan? Well, I'm involved in a um, in, in a um, divisional contest or a league uh, playoff contest where I, the opposition is playing Taysom Hill. And I can think of 20 to 25 other quarterbacks that I would rather be facing this weekend. So Taysom Hill's an elite start. Wow. And I'm starting Matt Ryan. There you <laughs> I'm go. starting Matt Ryan <laughs> against him. And I'm a little nervous about it, you know, especially after Matt's stellar nine-point performance last week. So I, uh, uh, Matt Ryan is so dependent on Julio Jones. I'm trying to think of a, of a quarterback receiver – that are so dependent in the league on each other, perhaps uh, with Thielen and Cousins, but I really can't get anywhere else. If, if, if Julio Jones leaves the game, the passing attack for Atlanta, and, and hence what, what Matt Ryan is able to do for us in fantasy ball goes by the boards. Uh, yeah, between these two guys, it's an easy start for me in Taysom Hill because I trust what he's doing. You know, we we questioned it. I questioned it a little bit last week. Uh, you know, I'm gonna give an A plus to the to the coach and the player. They made believers out of me. And no matter what happens in Denver, uh, the, he is quickly making this team his. And I like the touch that he has on the ball. You know, you never can see it when he comes in for these variety of these gizmo plays. I like the touch he has on the ball. I like the different ways he throws the ball at different parts of the field. There, there's nothing that he didn't do last week. He was he was the he was the full complement of making it work, and I, I look forward to seeing what he does in Denver. Hey, you know, I'll bring this up too. Um, one of my Kentucky leagues, and I, I, they blur together. Um, and I mm-hmm. think this is my situation this week was I think my two quarterbacks in this league playoffs, it might have been against the Jim Colon where I'm down by like 100, but um, my two quarterbacks that I had at my disposal were Baker Mayfield and um, Joe Burrow. And I had $40 left and Taysom Hill was still out there. And I'm like, ah, how do I play this? You know, do do I spend the last 40 on Hill? Do I go like in the 30s? Do I go, you know, eight or nine and see if I can get lucky? I went the full 40 and I got him. And and I looked at the waiver report, no other bids on Taysom Hill, so I which is unfortunate. But you know, it's one of those things. At least I got him, and, and that's the way I'm looking at it right now. Uh-huh. I hope I hope good he brings you me good luck. We'll see what happens. Thank you, thank you, um, Farrell. One last question. You've been entirely gracious of your time. I do want to get to this because there's a lot of moving parts in this last question. It comes from Larry in Champaign, Illinois. Into my league playoffs without Mostert most of the season, but now it looks like he'll be back. Would you guys start him right away, or should I go with James White instead with Rex Burkhead out? Larry, thank you for listening. Thank you for the email. We appreciate it. Um, Farrell, Raheem Mostert versus James White this week. Obviously, Burkhead um, was catching a good amount of passes out of the backfield, and he now towards ACL. He's out. James White got nine targets in that game after Burkhead went out with the injury. But Mostert, I think he had like, I want to say like 31 touches in week one or, or something like that. It was something unseen, uh-huh. uh, ungodly and that, that he got. And now it looks like he'll be back. We know Tevin Coleman is out. We know Jeff Wilson also got activated off IR. Um, so maybe he plays into this backfield. But when it comes down to it, 
Are you going to play Mostert this week in the Football Guys playoffs, or are you going to play James White as your uh, uh, last flex, I'm assuming it is, for Larry in Champaign, Illinois? Larry, I am going to refer to our guest who said, play your studs, even in bad matchups, play your studs. Uh, Raheem Mostert has been a stud to me. Uh, I valued him more than uh, most drafters. I, I was shocked that I could sometimes get him in the fifth round. And if I waited and tried to push that and lost him, I was, I was irritable for the next several rounds. Uh, James White is tried and true and a player that we all love. I don't see if you can necessarily go wrong here, but what you're going to get with Mostert is a, is a hard, angry runner who is anxious to get back to the field, uh, took a ball, to start a game and ran 80 yards for a touchdown. I think that was in the last game yeah. uh, that he was in. And, you know, his his last name looks like must start. So, you know, you got to get – yeah, I'm going to – I'm going Mostert. And uh, then I'm going to look at my flexes. I'm going to go back to what Scott told us. I'm going to look at my flexes, look at some of the other issues that might be there, and see if I can figure out a way to flex James White over a wide receiver uh, that I might normally have in a flex position because what is James White? He's a sure-handed running back wide receiver. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I don't have James White anywhere. I wish I could give you a better answer to this. I was unaware of those numbers after Burkhead left the game because uh, I was hanging my head because I'm, I'm a Burkhead guy. So, Good luck with ever whatever decision you made. I wish because if these were my two running backs, they would both be starting. That's how weak yeah. it is at the running back position for me. So good job having this kind of decision. Your your team's going to go far. Yeah, it's close for me as well. I guess I'm going to lean to to sort of with the the philosophy that Scott was saying. You know, in the league playoffs, you know, you want to start your studs, and and I'm assuming Mostert's going to be active. I'm assuming he's going to start. Uh, and I'm assuming he's going to be a big part of the game plan, a bigger part of the game plan for San Francisco than James White will be for New England, given they have Damian Harris there. Um, so I, I think that I will lean towards Mostert as well uh, in this decision and um, go with God, my friend, and, and see what happens. <laughs> Larry in Champaign, Illinois, we wish you the best. And we wish all our listeners the best. Farrell, I wish you the best. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. You said you did. I hope your uh, uh, football weekend continues. It's going to be tremendous. Uh, good luck in all your playoff leagues that you're in this weekend, and uh, and we'll talk to you again next week, man. Same to you, Balky. You're famous down here in the bluegrass. Keep it up. People always want to win first, but if they don't win, they want Balky to win. <laughs> it's why Kentucky is always my favorite state, even though I live in Wisconsin. I love Kentucky so much more. Farrell, thanks, man. We'll talk to you next Friday, dude. That was Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen. You follow him on Twitter at Elliott, the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. And remember, if you're looking for a league to compete against me in, uh, which I, because I obviously can't play in the Football Guys Players Championship or the uh, FFPC main event, um, uh, KFFSC.com is where to go next year for that. Uh, I want to thank all our guests tonight, uh, which I guess technically was just one. It was just Scott Hoyt, the 14th place uh, team in the FFPC main event, but I want to thank my co-host Farrell Elliott, the FFPC Rob Bryce, and of course each and every one of you. Want to remind you that Chris Vincent's appearance on the road of his high stakes lowdown should be out 
within the next few hours, uh, sometime this weekend for sure. Make sure you give that a listen and find out who that rookie receiver is that he said to start in week 12. Uh, I know I will be taking his advice and following it, and hopefully it turns out good uh, for me as well as you. Uh, also, shout out in the chat room tonight, Rob Vieira hanging out in there, former guest of this show, former guest of the Road of His High Stakes Lowdown, and the future guest of the Road of His High Stakes Lowdown. You can listen for him coming up this coming Thursday. He and I will sit down, have a fantasy football chat about the FFPC main event, the Football Guys Players Championship. Always very insightful, good stuff from him. That will be coming up on Thursday. Rotoviz.com slash podcast is where you can find Chris Vincent's appearance as well as Rob Vieira's. Um, as far as this show goes, we are going to be back 10, 9 central on Friday. And we are going to have the FFPC main event regular season seventh place finisher, Chris Tennyson. He will be our guest. Farrell and I will pick his brain on what he's doing in his league playoffs, what he's doing to prep for that championship round in the FFPC main event coming up starting in week 14. Enjoy the rest of week 12. Remember, uh, be wary of what's going on with that Baltimore-Pittsburgh game on Tuesday. As of right now, it's there. Uh, enjoy your Thanksgiving weekend. Your weekend starts This has now. been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. each and every week but uh, our outro music thanks to frederick the younger uh great stuff with them uh, i saw them live obviously in appleton wisconsin for mile of music a couple of years ago uh they are from louisville they are a great band check out their music at frederickthejounger.com and our intro music was from the quiet hollers another louisville band quiethollers.com remember Farrell has ties with both of these bands so i hope you support them um speaking of support just before i let you go tonight um High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour has been around now. Um, we are in our uh, ninth season. Uh, Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown in its fifth season. And uh, the FFPC, obviously, in its twelfth. I can't thank you guys and gals, uh, or women, excuse me, enough for all the patronage you have shown these two podcasts, as well as the FFPC over the years. Um, Thanksgiving is always a time to, obviously, football and food and family. Yes, friends. I get it, but you know, I always take a few minutes to take stock of everything I'm thankful for in my life, and um, the listeners to this podcast and the supporters and the players of the FFPC, uh, incredibly thankful. I can't imagine my life without any of those three things, and uh, it, it's so awesome that you guys uh, and everyone comes back to support it year after year. So thank you, thank you, and thank you again. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, uh, and, and uh, we're going to get into some great playoff football in the FFPC in Week 12 here. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again next week, everybody.